Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Straight Up Sabres presented by the Hockey Podcast Network and the Charging Buffalo. As always, I'm Brendan and back with me this week is me. Taylor. Welcome back, my man. How was your trip away? Thanks. Uh, it was it was a nice trip. I, you know, funny thing, I was in four different New England states in the past four days, and I wore I brought a Yankees mask, not to be aggressive or anything, or because I'm really proud of the Yankees this year. Uh, but no one said anything to me when I wore it anywhere. I was surprised. I'm kind of really? relieved. I mean, it was the only mask I brought. At one point, I thought it's funny, like in Boston. No, and I, we were only, we weren't in Boston for very long, but like I don't know. It's interesting. Uh, but yeah, it was a, it's a nice trip. I haven't been to some of those States before. So I, I got to three new States this week. Very cool. Very cool. Well, we're glad to have you back and uh, man, you sure missed a lot in Sabres news while you were gone. Did I did. You know that? I think three or I think, no, actually two preseason games took place while I was gone. And that's the only thing that happened. Yep. That's really it. Anyway, so <laughs> yeah, obviously I did not watch the Sabres. I couldn't even watch them, I don't think, because that wasn't in the market. So I couldn't watch them on Sabres.com. But I followed them and I looked at what people on Twitter were saying and, and different things. And it, to no real surprise, but to some some mild disappointment, the goaltending seems to be a problem. Really not a surprise at all. I think we all had an idea of that when you know it came down to it, and the two goalies that we signed were Craig Anderson and Aaron Dell. But with that being said, what can you really expect? You know, there was nobody that we could have signed this year that really would have changed the team's fate. You could have went out and got Philip Grubauer in free agency. And it would really, I don't think would have made a difference. Obviously you don't want to intentionally have bad goaltending, but it's not going to be real good this year. And I don't really have a whole lot of positive things to say, because I also don't know if UPL is going to be ready or if the organization is going to think if UPL is going to be ready I should say I'm of the belief that let him be the backup this year honestly I mean Aaron Dell is really not going to do much for you and if having him get accustomed to being on an NHL schedule and around the room and around the guys and getting mentored by Craig Anderson I mean if, if those are all things that you know positives he could take from what otherwise is going to be a season that is focused solely on development then I don't think it's the worst thing in the world. But regardless of if UPL is there or not, he's not going to be changing anything. So yeah, a little bleak. What are what do you make of the goaltending situation, Taylor? Well, yeah, I imagine Anderson's probably going to be the starter. And I don't know now. Uh, I was hoping UPL would at least look okay. Like he could come into the season, play a few games and like be decent enough, like give us some hope, even if he wasn't, you know, great yet. Maybe he needs some more seasoning. Maybe it'd be good for him to be in the AHL this year. I don't know. But I am not impressed with Dell CEO, Michael Dell. Uh, he, he I, don't, I don't know if he's an NHL goalie, to be honest. I mean, I, at least I can say Craig Anderson was one, and someday UPL might be one. I can't. I don't know if I can say that about him. Mm. I mean, yeah. I know he's had a lot of success in another field. And good for him on that. But he was part of one of the worst goaltending tandems we've ever seen on a team that was trying to win a couple of years ago. Obviously, did not succeed in trying to win. Yeah. But him and Martin Jones, he was part of that. I know we all like, like you know, haha, Martin Jones is terrible now. And he is. But this, this guy was one half of that tandem. The reason Martin Jones had to keep playing games is because this guy is just as bad. And I don't, I don't know what the point of signing him was. I mean, I get Anderson, especially if you have an opportunity for cheap to bring in a, a, a veteran like that, who's really well-respected and it might be good to have around the young guys. That's fine. You do that. And obviously the goaltending market completely disappeared on them. And if I was a decent goalie, I wouldn't want to be here either, but man, they had to get someone else, someone 
other than Aaron and they, I, it doesn't matter too much. It's a difference between like 65 and 70 points maybe this year, but like he is, he's bad. Very bad. And I don't know if UPL's ready. Like everyone else, obviously he had everything screwed up by last year, but last year got even more screwed up when he had to be the taxi squad goalie and like be an actual NHL goalie and be in Buffalo. And the fact that the AHL season was so short and it got cut short two years ago, his first season in the AHL. I'm not optimistic about that. I mean, long-term there's some interesting stuff going on like UPL. I'm not done long-term on him. I just think I don't see really him being a very impactful goalie for many games at the NHL level this year. Long-term still interested in him, interested in Portillo. And obviously we have Devin Levi as well. So there's some, a lot of, a lot of, you know, different, different things. We're kind of diversifying our goaltending assets, which is smart because you never know what those goalies, but this year is going to be gross and I'm still not used to it. We've had either bad or on and off goaltending since Miller left, but really we just had bad goaltending for the last three years, especially the last two. And I, I don't like it. I really got spoiled by good goaltending. It's not great. And it's goes to show what a hell of a drop-off it is from Linus Allmark to, to these two. The one thing I guess that gives me some sense of reassurance though, is that, we know that there's just stop gaps. This is only for a year. And are we expecting to do anything this year? No. Like you said, it's the difference between potentially maybe like 65 and 70 points for a team of this talent level. I think that, you know, they're not going to be as bad as some people are saying with like, you know, 40, 50 points. I think they're going to well exceed that, like you said, in more of like the 60 ish range, but I don't know. I, I, it sucks and it's going to be hard. And I know that it's easy for me to say this now before the season even starts, because then once the season starts and they get losing, continue it like every other night or pretty much every night, actually, I should say, you know, I'm going to be really frustrated about it. And we're going to talk about how they should have probably done something differently, but in the bigger picture, it is only a year. And I think that they signed both of these guys knowing that they are going to be revisiting the position full on next off season when hopefully things will be a little bit more progressed in terms of the team. Michael will hopefully be gone by that point too, God willing. And we'll have a little bit of a better sense of what the rest of the organization looks like, because obviously with that trade, you're going to be expecting some higher end pieces to come through the door. So I doubt that a goalie prospect, I guess necessarily would be a part of that, but it gives you an idea of the assets that you're going to be able to work with, whether it's to get a goalie through an acquisition of some sort or what the free agent market is going to look like next year too. So like I said, it's easy for me to say now, like it's going to be fine in the grand scheme of things because it's only a year, but I know damn well, three months from now when Craig Anderson is looking horrible, Aaron Dell is having to come up because Anderson's hurt or something like that. And it's just real ugly we're going to be complaining about it. So bookmark this for then, but I mean, where else is there to really go? You know, it just is what it is right now. Yeah. So that's bad. Let's talk about something um, positive from the preseason. Uh, Your boy, your boy, John Jason. My boy. Yes. Um, Good friend. He's been, uh, Twitter's been a buzz about him. He's been getting top line minutes with some of the best prospects he's been, and the people that <laughs> these sickos that are tracking these uh, preseason games are kind of showing off that Paterka is putting up really good uh, preseason numbers. Obviously it's preseason. It's just a couple games, but he, people seem to agree that he looks good. He looks impressive. It would be just, just a huge, huge break from tradition. If the Sabres actually had a good second round pick, um, he won't be in the NHL this year, but this is all, well, it's not for most of the year. This is all very encouraging. I mean, he's someone if if you want to look to the future i think you want to look at having a lot of decent guys like right now they don't have an eichel and they who knows or anyone close or like a reinhardt but like they you want to have a hopefully a, a good number of guys who are good that either maybe you package them for like a bigger trade in a few years or maybe you just have a a, a bunch of uh solid forwards on your team a bunch of solid young guys that'd be that'd be nice and he's someone that i think is Overplaying out, you know, outplaying his draft position. Like he was the 34th overall pick, so not by that much, but, but still, I, it, that's really exciting to hear. And people, you know, if I'm not mistaken, have been excited about him basically, not not since the draft, but like throughout last year too. He uh, he seemed to be impressing some people. 
Yeah, I agree. I mean, he is, like you said, it would be a rarity that this organization actually gets a second round pick that we get to feel really excited about and really good about. And I think the thing that's nice is that all the things that we heard about in his draft profile that are the things that we all got excited about are the things that we're really seeing translate, you know, whereas with many other prospects that we've had, um, you know, not a second rounder, but like, you know, look at somebody like Alex Nylander, for example, you hear all of these good things about his game. And then in reality, the things that stand out the most about his game aren't exactly the positive. It's more so the negatives. And in Nylander's case, you know, you hear the things about his shot and, 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 you know, his positioning, whatever you want to call it, but his, I guess, endurance, uh, will care for the game was pretty lacking. And that was the thing that was really kind of holding him back and will continue to hold him back in his career. Whereas with Paterka, you know, I mean, he definitely has a lot that he has to round out in his game, but he skates well, he is a really solid playmaker and he seems like the kind of guy that's going to be able to do a good job of generating offense in Rochester this year, which is huge. So if he can play in Rochester this year and produce and put up points on a very consistent basis and, and lead that team or be near the top of the leaderboard and points for Rochester, I mean, we have a lot to get excited about. Okay, so let's get to a uh, back to the negative. Good. So unlike... Unlike him, a guy that was taken in the same draft by the Buffalo Sabres, uh, Jack Quinn has not been impressing people. And I, I can I can say that honestly goes back to his his draft day. We'll see. You know, obviously, this is very, very early. But are, are you worried at all? I mean, he only got to play a few games in the AHL last year because of the shortened season. He had to take like a year off, basically, like everyone else. I mean, everyone else is in the same boat. So maybe who knows? Mm-hmm. But People are, have uh, not been impressed with him, and that goes to not just the preseason games, but seemingly training camp. I mean, he'll be in Rochester this year regardless. Who knows if we'll, how much we'll see him in Buffalo. First, are you worried? And second, what do you want? What kind of season uh, would make you feel good about him? Well, Quinn's case is interesting because I, I feel like in the case of talking about top 10 picks, it is absolutely fair to be worried about their outlook when guys who are taken behind them or were in contention for the pick that the player that we're talking about is taken when they're outperforming them, then yeah, you have every right to be. And I know you and I have talked about this a lot, but it is absolutely fair for people to be questioning Jack when not only from how he looks on the ice, but also, like I said, from knowing how Marco Rossi and Cole Perfetti are looking right now, the two guys, either one of which should have been taken in the spot where Jack Quinn was taken. Now, bringing it back to with camp right now, yeah, I absolutely am worried about that. I'm not going to get ahead of myself because, again, he's very young. He does not have a lot of professional experience yet. And so I'm not fully jumping off the bus yet or anything like that. But I do have legitimate concerns. And I would say what I really need to see, and this is what we're going to find out soon from him, is really how he can compete at the professional level in Rochester. I mean, that's what's really worrying, I think, is the thing, too, is that we're worrying about how he's going to perform in Rochester, not if he's going to, you know, how he'll be in the NHL or how he, if he will perform, I guess, is, is really what our worry is. It's completely up in the air right now, given how this guy has looked. He has not looked like he's been able to keep up with the, with players, you know, of, both his own age group in terms of like the younger guys and also some of the more veteran NHL players in the front, like as part of the team right now, he's looked lost out there several times. He has not really been able to generate a whole lot of offense, at least on a consistent basis. We'll say, I think it's still very early on and we'll see what happens, but it's, it's going to be glaring if, if the, if these guys who were taken after him, who pretty much everybody was, has been saying is going to be better and has a better outlook if they end up being better, I mean, just what an unbelievable missed opportunity, especially looking at us, you know, being on the cusp of trading Jack Eichel after just trading Sam Reinhardt. Right. And I think it's it's worth mentioning here that was when the Sabres basically didn't have a front office and had one GM who had basically no experience. They make that pick and it's kind of panned by the entire hockey world, not just not just the people who are professionally met at the Sabres on Twitter like us. Yep. Like the whole hockey world. And meanwhile, they fill out their front office. They get an analytics guy. They get an experienced assistant GM. In this draft, what happens? People are really excited. Now, 
granted the, the Reinhardt trade was going on at the same time. People weren't thrilled about that, but people are happy about, well, my own, own power slam dunk pick. I think everyone would have taken him. But people are excited about Rosine. I think his name is. I learned from Sabres Embedded. Mm-hmm. thought it was Rosen. Uh, but that's good. I don't want to draft anyone in that range in the first round named Rosen. Yeah. Also, the the second, third round picks, the picks throughout the draft, people, I think, prospects people, people that are stats people were excited about that. Uh, was not excited, but we're pleased with the Sabres were doing. They were kind of praising the Sabres. I think the Sabres got, you know, good marks, even from people that get mad at them all the time. Now, I mean, I don't know prospects, so I have to take, take some other people's words for it, especially once you get past the first round, forget it. But I think that we could look back in a few years and be like, wow, imagine if we had Marco Rossi and then, well, maybe we would have had Marco Rossi if we had a real front office, which they had months to fill out by that point. Uh, which which would be very annoying because honestly I'm not feeling feeling very good about I shouldn't say very I, I'm not that excited about the next couple of years of Sabres hockey we'll see where things go uh, during this current rebuild but like yeah we have power we have Darlene Cousins now Paterka looks good there's some some interesting guys uh, R- Rosine would be interesting who maybe a couple of these other guys work out maybe Olafson whatever he is and then going forward. We'll have probably have top five picks the next two years, and we'll have ideally something out of the Eichel trade. We're going to get to him in a second, by the way. Ideally, we'll have another one, and that'll be a, a start, but mm-hmm. it would be a much better start if we also didn't just waste another top 10 pick, it, which maybe we didn't. I'm not saying we did yet. It's not over. But if I honestly, I, I would feel significantly better with one of those guys. Like you said, Marco Rossi already looks better after his, uh, his COVID, well, not just COVID, his myocarditis scare after last year and Perfetti's impressed people too. So that's annoying, frankly. Uh, yeah, but uh, by the way, did you see the Josh Archibald news today? No, what's that? He has myocarditis, so he's out for the foreseeable really? future. Yeah, he's, I, I think the Oilers are probably going to put him on LTIR. Oh, geez, I didn't even, I can't believe I missed that. Yeah. Hey, and also while we're talking about prospects, let's give a little plug for future of the 716. Make sure you're checking them out on Twitter at 716FuturePod as part of the Charging Buffalo, our new network. If you want prospect news, we've been following along with them even before we had joined the uh, the Charging Buffalo, but they do a great job of covering all the Sabres prospects, both current prospects and potential future ones, the guys who are you know at the top of the 22 and 23 draft classes. So make sure you're checking them out. But anyways, Taylor. For sure. So before we move on to the next topic, let's hear a, a word from me. <laughs> and I'll be telling you about our friends at DraftKings. So folks, hockey's back. Regular season starting in less than two weeks. And DraftKings Sportsbook has an unbelievable offer to celebrate the greatest sport on ice. New customers can bet just $1 in any hockey game and win $100 in free bets if either team scores a goal. Doesn't matter if it's a one-time clapper or a deft deflection. However they light the lamp, you win. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, DraftKings won't leave you empty-handed. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes all season long with the DraftKings Daily Fantasy Sports Contest. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. So what do you got to do? You got to download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code THPN for the Hockey Podcast Network. Throw down $1 on any hockey game and win 100 in free bets if either team scores a goal. This week, one puck in the net nets you a big win with promo code THPN at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only, new customers only, minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager required, one per customer, restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com Sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in Indiana, 1-800-WITH-IT. Sorry, 109 with it. I always do that wrong. Um, so back to the podcast here. Brendan, real quick, uh, let, let's do some synergy real quick. If you're going to if you're gonna bet on DraftKings, uh, sportsbook, obviously you can't do that if you live in Buffalo. If you live in the Western New York area, Pennsylvania is a short drive. If you're going down to Erie for some reason or if you're just driving through Pennsylvania to get somewhere else, do a quick rest stop, you know, get on DraftKings, download their sportsbook. I think you can only... You might be able to download it in New York, but you can't use it, whatever the deal is. Anyway, download it. But before you do that, or while you're on your, your ride down there, you should listen to some Charging Buffalo podcasts, uh, Sabres Metrics and other ones that all the ones they have in their, uh, their podcast network. 
because uh, I think that might help you if you're going to be betting on the Sabres or hockey in general. And in fact, if you're going to be betting on the Sabres, I can't say anything positive about what you should do. <laughs> but there's always the under. Um, always the under. So anyway, moving moving on here. Uh, so, so the Eichel situation continues to exist. It's yeah, it's annoying. So I think you and I uh, should add some I don't want to say level-headed. This sounds condescending. Some some both sidesism to this. Just seeing it from both sides. Okay. So I'll lay this out real quick, and you can tell me what you think here. So this is basically what we know about the situation. Eichel has a spine issue, a neck issue, yeah. uh, which is he's had for about seven months now. And what the Sabres doctors, and in fact some other doctors uh, recently – advised jack like will do is get a fusion surgery which fuses the discs together it's a very high success rate initially however you generally need to get another surgery 10 years later and 10 years thereafter basically do the same thing over and over big recovery whatever that's that seems to be the consensus about that but the, the surgery, you know, is initially successful. The The other option, and this is what Eichel wants, is a disc replacement surgery, which is newer, allegedly riskier, but you do it once. And that's basically replacing the disc that he has a problem with right now. Well, a few things. The Sabres doctors don't agree with that. And I think a lot of people, uh, John Vogel laid this out in The Athletic, a way of looking at this, and it's not an unfair way of looking at it, is that the Sabres are going to go 10 years suddenly to another surgery. Who cares? He won't be a Sabre in 10 weeks. And even if he were going to be a Sabre for the rest of his contract, he'd be long gone by the time he's 34. Michael, for his part, is looking at that being like, I'm really good. Most guys that are as good as me play when they're 34. I don't want to get these surgeries every 10 years. I want to be able to just play the rest of my career and not have a problem with my spine, which is fair. Sure. The problem is, there is the CBA, not just the CBA, every CBA, basically, they've had for as long as, uh, as, long as I've known. The CBA, they signed uh, a little bit around a year ago, I would say, uh, right before the season. Well, no, it was right before the bubble, actually. It was right before the bubble they signed the CBA. Uh, they agreed to a lot of things pandemic-related, but it was also a new CBA going forward. They didn't really alter this in any way. And the process is team doctors decide what kind of surgery you get you can get a second opinion all that and allegedly the sabers second opinion recently on eichel was that he should have the surgery they said he should have Mm -hmm. that's that's basically the beginning and end of it and there's a lot of people on twitter mad that the nhl pa isn't doing anything or that the nhl itself as an entity isn't doing anything but this is how every and i mean every injury works out the team tells you what to do or you retire. I mean, you could breach your contract if that's what you really, if you really want to breach your contract. Right. Uh, but Eichel doesn't want to do that. He's owed so much money and this is a precarious thing regardless a neck injury. Mm-hmm. So there's no, there's no incentive for the Sabres to do that, but forgetting incentive for a second, there seems to be this big people being annoyed on Twitter about the NHL and the NHLPA not doing anything for Eichel. And there's literally nothing. They agreed on this. They all agreed. And this wasn't even a fight they had. I've never, in all my years of following stupid work stoppages they've had, I've never heard this as part of a fight. I've never heard of this as part of negotiations. Mm-hmm. Because I don't even know what you could really do with it. Tell the team that you have to pay for the surgery a player wants or you have to pay for the treatment a player wants. Yeah, It's just, it's not fair. In general, in life, I would be on the side of a player, sorry, an employee, not outside of sports here, uh, being able to get the medical procedure they think is best for them, especially when it comes to something like this. But this isn't exactly the same thing. For starters, it's negotiated into a contract. It's settled. No way around it. Uh, And beyond that, I don't ever want to side with teams in situations like these, but what is a team's real reason for letting Michael get the surgery he wants? If they believe it's more risky, or who knows? Let's just say, for example, like, there are other factors at play here that they can't get into or they haven't released yet. Who knows? I mean, that, there's, there's a ton of, a ton, 
these contracts, especially as big as Eichel, there's all kinds of considerations with these. It's not a black and white thing. It's not letting Dell CEO Michael Dell get surgery. Pay for your own surgery, buddy. You're a billionaire. Anyway, do you do you disagree with anything I said? No, not necessarily. I mean, I think it, what it comes down to, like you said, man, it, this is just a very complex, non-black and white issue. Like there's just so many layers to this. And I think that there's definitely merit on both sides of the argument. I mean, it's tough because I think a lot of the people that you're talking about who are like, oh, well, Jack should be able to do whatever he wants with his body. You know, I'm like, do you really believe that? Like, or I, I don't know. I, it's tough. It's- well, do you, is the real argument that they're making that a player should be able to get whatever surgery he wants, despite what team doctors think, despite what the second opinion thinks, and the team has to pay for it and has to honor his contract? Is that really a feasible way to go forward? Or do you think the Sabres in this situation should grant an exception? And why should they do that? If they, if the Sabres doctors, I mean, yeah, okay, they say, well, like his body, his choice, but then wouldn't they be letting him out of his contract? And just, I, Uncle doesn't want that. So that's Man, a, I don't, I don't disagree with you. That's the point yeah. that I'm saying, though, is yeah. like people who say that, who, who say it should be his choice. It's like, well, <laughs> there's a lot that goes into that more than just saying, you know, this guy should be able to get the the surgery of his choice. I mean, you have to, like you said, those things are all incredibly important to keep in mind. However, again, though, devil's advocate to that point, how good are the Sabres doctors? I mean, (laughs) who knows? Look at, look at the past. I don't know, like drought, like the entire time, (laughs) How many times have we had issues with injury designations or guys have setbacks or this, that, or the other. And I know that that's not exactly like the team doctors, but I'm just saying, yeah, I would, I would back to just, do you trust this organization to actually be, to, to be doing the right thing when in most other scenarios, they have not been able to. Yeah. I'm going to, I'm looking at this up real quick to make sure I'm, I think I'm right uh, because so I agree with you. Sabers medical staff either it's one of two things. Uh, either they are the team is lying about the severity of injuries early on, or these things are being misdiagnosed at a ridiculous rate. But I would point out, like how you kind of alluded to there, it is different. And I think their spine person is see. I want to say it was Andrew Cappuccino who was the guy work with Kevin Everett now I'm not 100% sure I'm trying to find that well anyway but but what I'm saying there is it's not exactly the same people like you alluded to uh there but yeah I I see your point like my point is more yeah but it's more just like I I know it's not the same people who are like behind the bench and in the locker room and I'm sure that they're going to like actual like surgeons too for these recommendations but it just goes back to like, do you, do you trust this organization who has? Oh no, that's, what, that's the only reason. Mishap. If if it was any other organization, I don't think they would be getting this kind of getting as much uh, gruff or guff on Twitter that's as they I'm are saying. because people don't trust them because they're a terrible organization. On the exactly. other hand, I don't think that actually, well, maybe it changes it, it color the way you look at them in any way, I'm sure. Uh, but I don't really see any evidence that Eichel is right here, but here's, here's where we might see that because the Sabres are allowing teams to look at Eichel's medical information now. Yep. Teams that are interested in trading for him. And now we'll get to see if there's another team out there who's like, Oh, we'll let them get the procedure. We think it's a good idea. And then it works. And then I would agree that the Sabres will look stupid. Yeah. Right. And that's fair. No, that, and that's totally, totally fair. The one thing that I do want to bring up though, that I have seen suggestions, suggested i don't know how feasible this is or the possibility of this but i have seen it suggested that if the nhl and the nhlpa get involved with this and there is a ongoing dispute that there would potentially be a possibility of jack's contract for this year getting voided meaning it would get pushed back a year meaning the no movement clause would get pushed back into the 22-23 offseason. Well, yeah. That's interesting. I mean, for the Sabres part going forward now, now that we're less than two weeks away from the season, are the Sabres just going to let him sit there on LTIR all year not getting the surgery? Like if he's electing not to get the surgery they tell him to get, 
he really shouldn't be on LTIR. That's not what it's for. It's for guys that need to recover or are injured. It's a little bit different if you're voluntarily not choosing to get better. So that's right. interesting. I wonder, it's an interesting way to look at it because obviously the no movement clause is huge here from the hockey standpoint. The other thing is that I don't particularly seeming, I don't like Eichel as a personality and I obviously am not going to cheer for him as a hockey player once he's gone, but man, spinal cord injuries are really, it's a serious thing. You don't, I, I wish there was a way that this could work out better for him. I, I don't know though. I mean, the, what he's, what he, the surgery he's also talking about does come with some risk. Uh, but, but like I said, we'll know more if there's a team out there that's really willing to let him get that surgery. More uh, power to him. Yeah. Or if there's a team out there that's like, well, we'll just win this battle in the long term. We just got to get him under on our side because he won't come to us once there's no move is there. I don't know what team that would be, but it's an interesting thought. Yeah. Someone getting desperate. I don't know who that, I mean, think, I, I don't know who that would be. Maybe Anaheim. We'll see. I don't know what other teams are thinking at this point, but this actually spiraled into something else because Jack's old teammate, Robin Leonard was defending him on Twitter, basically the saying the Sabres should just let him get that surgery. Uh, I don't think Leonard has any inside information on this specific issue, but obviously does have, well, well, a history with Buffalo, we'll say to put it lightly, sure. but that, this tweet uh, spree over the over the course of the weekend uh, launched into a different direction, not involving the Sabers. Uh, when he basically accused the NHL, he said an NHL team uh, offered players benzodiazepines and Ambien on road trips without prescription. He said it wasn't in Vegas, his current team. Um, he said he's been on teams where that's happened. And I think he basically implied those were being uh, all being given without a prescription and were being used as like a, a weird way to treat concussions or concussion symptoms. Now, to be clear, I like, you know, like we've said this entire time, we're not doctors, but those are things that have to be prescribed by doctors because the other people that aren't doctors are NHL coaches, assistant coaches, whatever else. And he's, he's alleging that those were those uh, drugs that you need a prescription for and they need to be prescribed by a doctor are just being given out to certain yeah. players, especially to be treating concussion symptoms. I mean, that's crazy. That's and, really bad. And he will be, I think, meeting with the league. Uh, Bill Daly has basically said that he's trying to get in contact with Leonard. I'm sure Leonard will talk to them. Uh, he also called out Elaine Vigneault and said that he wanted to be fired. So uh, he said, I've made a crazy amount of mistakes, but lying about what I've seen for 12 years is not one of them. I don't care what they say. I don't lie about these things. Watch now. The NHL will try to cancel me. I mean, it's a stupid way to end that, but whatever. I uh, he's he's talking about you know not wanting to destroy anything, but doing what's right and trying to change things for the better. But yeah, he specifically called out Vigneault there, and people are kind of deducing that it's uh, Vigneault that he's talking about has been uh, in terms of giving players those pills. Jesus. Yeah. I mean, that's huge allegations to make, you know, it's, I don't, I, this is just so tough because it's like, are you, would you doubt that horrible things are happening behind closed doors in the NHL? Of course not. No. I, mean, it, I would not be surprised by that at all, but at the same time, I don't know. I mean, I could, you, cause then at the same time you could say too, like, well, you know, if there's, not a better way to go, or how go about it another way, but I, I, I don't even honestly know what to make of it yet. I, I feel like I want to wait for more information to come out to really dive into this, but I feel like going about it, I guess on like a Twitter spree isn't the most ideal of ways to do it, but at the same no. time, that's the way that'll get it out to the masses in the, in the quickest way possible, I guess. I, I don't know. So this, well, this person is a, it's a verified Twitter account I'm looking at, but with less than a thousand followers. So I'm not a hundred percent sure. It looks like this is a college student named Drew Wheeler, but again, verified. I don't know what to make of it. Uh, he says, according to his sources, the Flyers training staff gave Nolan Patrick non-prescribed Ambien and benzodiazepines to help with his traumatic head injury while not disclosing the medication given to him at that time. 
And Robin Leonard tweeted him and said, I heard other, he says bullshit, but not bullshit in the way that he's saying the guy's saying is bullshit. He's saying that the whole process is bullshit. Yeah. He says, I heard other players. I know there, this was going on. If this was the case, it's crazy too. I've barely met Nolan yet. Organizations give drugs out is not new. Uh, so the thing is that I'm, I'm kind of not doubting about him uh, is that hockey. I wouldn't be that surprised if it's not, if it's like football, the NFL, that's, people people getting given like painkillers uh way too willy-nilly or, or taking uh you know gigantic shots of cortisone to, to numb big parts of their body so they can play through injuries that's obviously a point and that i'd be surprised if hockey wasn't like that because it's also a contact sport and you're playing every few days you're playing two or three times a week for six seven months a year depending on how far you go in the playoffs uh maybe even nine months a year depending on how far you go in the playoffs so like i'm not too surprised by that but that like i said I would like a, a little bit more of an investigation into, into what he's saying, but it being an accusation by itself is a big deal. He's saying he's seen that happen. Uh, and, and there being a player attached, Nolan Patrick, especially someone who's had such troubles in his, mm-hmm. his short time in the NHL. I mean, that's, that's insanely, this is it. I don't know if people like maybe mm-hmm. understand how serious that is. That's it's insanely serious. Yeah, it's 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 nuts. That's what I mean. It's I I just I don't even know what to make of it. That that's all kind of going going down through just what seeming like airing Twitter laundry. It it's insane. It's nuts. It's nuts. I honestly I know I sound kind of shocked or not shocked, but just speechless talking about it. It's because I legitimately just I, I mean, what can you make of something like that? You know, I, there has to be an investigation into it. I don't know the Twitter account that you're talking about, but if that's the case, you know, absolutely. And also we're talking about a guy who, I mean, how old is Nolan Patrick? You know, he's been having two, maybe. I mean, is that implied that he was maybe getting anything before he was 21 too? Cause there's a whole other element in there. I'd... Yeah. That's, that's, I didn't even think about that. I mean, obviously these, these guys are getting in the NHL, they're very young and junior hockey could be even more of a problem. But I, right. just to add this context real quick, because I don't know, I'm sure a lot of people have never heard of Benzo Diazepan. Uh, Rick Westhead, Canadian journalist, to give context to Leonard's tweet, said Benzo Diazepans are typically prescribed for anxiety, insomnia, seizures, and panic disorders. They slow brain activity. People can become physically dependent on them in just days. The FDA in 2020 demanded a new warning label for the drug, which in, is involved in 30 plus percent of opioid overdoses. The NHL refused to open its own investigation into allegations of sex abuse and a cover. I mean, that that's whatever. Uh, that's not whatever. She's just getting into different points at that. But I, yeah, I wonder if this taking these things as a whole, I hadn't really thought about that, but what's going on with the Blackhawks quote unquote investigation, who knows the Evander Kane stuff, mm-hmm. this, I mean, the Evander Kane stuff might be more of an individual thing, but this issue that Leonard's bringing up, who knows if that brings up a whole uh, bevy of issues or opens up a whole can of worms. I, it was only less than two years ago that Mike Babcock gets fired late 2019 early 2020 yeah and then you start to hear stories about how he was less of a tough coach and more of a psychotic bully and then you start to hear that uh akeem alu accuses was it peters yeah bill peters uh of saying a racial slur and peters gets fired and then you have a couple other coaches that uh, i think someone in the ahl got fired i don't remember who it was i think it was a former senator's coach no i don't remember then you had Jim Nill step down, I believe, in Dallas, which was kind of unrelated, but it was also him kind of looking in the mirror. This is kind of a crazy, you know, few weeks. And this is a uh, kind of similar to that. There's, this could be kind of similar to that if a bunch of players start coming out and being like, I had, uh, you know, issues. Uh, they gave me this pills. I don't know what it was. I was 20 years old. If a bunch of that starts happening, that would be interesting. I mean, I do wonder because the NHL, it feels like it was not like the NFL and concussions about a decade ago. It's, it's been a lot more slow burn with them. Uh, I'm reminded today after I think Leonard, no, it was Alan Walsh, not Leonard. Alan Walsh tweeted about Montador, Steve Montador, who had 19 concussions and was cleared to play again after his 19th concussion, 19 registered concussions, I should say. And obviously ended up taking his own life eventually. And who knows how connected they were, but we've seen that in the NFL. It's a lot of times they are connected, not always, but a lot of the time. So it's a, it's something to keep an eye on. I mean, there's a lot, there's a lot to hockey still and to the NHL. 
in high level men's hockey that it's it's still kind of unexplored or it's still kind of we, we don't talk about it enough and i think this is something maybe it'll be there forever hopefully not that there's some reckoning at some point with how players are treated like there's no two ways about it if you are going to try to stay on the ice consistently over the course of years as an nhl player you're going to have to play hurt and if you play hurt what what do you do to try to get yourself ready and what does the team do what does the team incentivize you to do what does the team suggest you do or what, what do they help you do do they help you do things that are dangerous for your long-term health i mean if you're just playing on a, a sore foot you got a broken foot and you want to play through it and you don't do anything and you just whatever you just play through it you play through it whatever that was your choice but if the team is helping you get pills or like in any way assisting you and kind of jeopardizing your long-term health i don't think that's a good thing i mean i don't you know i don't expect hockey or football or any of these sports to ever be 100 percent safe but the there is probably still level of uh, irresponsibility going on. And I mean that not just, not just the NHL, but that's the league we're talking about. Yeah, no, I mean, it, it of course happens in all sports and you're absolutely right. That it is something that is definitely underexplored and who knows, like we said, even though maybe this wasn't the way to go about it, if this leads to the moment of reckoning that needs to happen in hockey for things to change, then ultimately it's a net positive because I mean, my God, it's like every couple of months, there's a new story that comes out. I mean, you rattled through a few of them there where it's like this bombshell, horrible thing that happens in the league that in most cases at the time of it happening, gets swept under the rug. And then we find out about it later after the fact, rather than in real time. So if that's what that ends up leading to, then great. But we'll just have to wait and see what happens, I suppose. Yep. Well, the, uh, in other news, the, uh, the matchup of the century on NBC tonight, the, the seven to six in the third quarter. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Well, do we have time oh, for a quick man. rant? Sure. Go ahead. About please, rant. please. Yes. I am not going to get mad like I did last time. Uh, and when I talked about Tom Brady, but look, all right, look, I already did my whole rant about Tom Brady. I'm going to do something that's actually, it's not about Tom Brady or Bill Belichick. It's about people on Twitter and the way we talk about sports. Cause I was getting especially mad about this, uh, this weekend, people talking about, and this has been going on since the breakup happened, but well, did, uh, did Brady carry Belichick or someone asked on Twitter, let's know would Belichick ever have won a Super Bowl without Brady or without a top five. It was said if he had just the fifth best quarterback and not Brady, which is, Whatever. The, the thing that annoys me is the root of this all, it, which is we watched, we all watched it happen over the course of roughly 20 years together. They won six Super Bowls. They appeared in nine. They were in, I think, 13 total conference championships. They only missed the playoffs twice. And one of those was a year where Brady missed almost the entire year and Matt Castle was the quarterback. And they still went 11 and five. And after all this, after all these years and after all these big playoff moments, we looked at that when they broke up and were on different, different teams and said one of them was carrying the other one and whichever one doesn't do as well. And this year after, regardless of the goddamn context of what happened, that's the one that was being carried. It's such a stupid goddamn way to look at sports. I don't even like one of those guys. It would be, you know, I, I would you even like very, one of them. I, I said, I don't like I, what I mean is I don't like either of them. OK, yeah, yeah. It's not like I'm, I like one and that guy, I don't, I'm not a big Bill Belichick stand. That's feeling bad right now. I was like, Taylor, what are you implying here? No, it would be very funny to me if one of them got this weird, funny, jokey reputation about like, oh, they got carried by the other one. But it's just like, that was the opposite of what we talked about when Brady was there. I mean, no one really, I don't think people, that many people really thought it was one or the other, but like people like, huh, you know, like they went 11 and five with Matt Castle. They started three and one without Brady and they even won they even beat the shit out of the Texans with Jacoby Brissett on Thursday night football. Oh yeah. And it's very funny to just look at that and be like, ah, I mean, they could do this with anyone, which is not true. But like it's just it's just insanely dumb in hindsight. Cause I, I really want to like pin people down on this. But, I mean, the guy's saying that what would Belichick do if he only had the fifth best quarterback every year? Well, Brady probably in the aggregate from 2001 to 2004 wasn't the top 10 quarterback. He was right on the outside of the top 10, I would say. They won three Super Bowls. It was a different time. It was a time where you could probably go further with running a defense and a quarterback who made plays when you need to. But that's what they did, and it worked. He won three Super Bowls that way. Uh, he, Brady was obviously still great in 2018, 
maybe he was the fifth best quarterback that year. Though he said he wasn't the fifth best quarterback. You sure? In a given year? I mean, Mahomes was a better quarterback. They beat Mahomes. I mean, in that in that Super Bowl, it was thirteen to three. They had the second high. They played the second highest scoring offense in football, and they held him to three points. Why? Because he was intimidated by Tom Brady. It's just really dumb. I just it, there's so many playoff games you can point to. Where obviously, Brady did very well, and I guess this is this is why I'm a, a Belichick over Brady slightly guy. But still, it's not one or the other because through those years, Brady played great in the regular season and great in the playoffs. And who else did that? Aaron Rodgers, Drew Brees, and to a more extent than people understand, Peyton Manning. Uh, him and Brady through like Manning's career ending, very similar playoff numbers on a per-game basis. Rodgers and Brees, same thing. On a per-game basis, very similar playoff numbers. Better in some cases than Brady. Especially, especially weirdly, Brees has great playoff numbers. Rodgers, you know, great blah, blah, blah. You, Everyone knows that. Well, you, at least you should. You should goddamn know it. So why do they win? Because Belichick's a bigger trump card than Brady is. Because they, I don't know, they pe- people te- teams couldn't shut down Tom Brady, but Belichick could shut down other teams' quarterbacks, and that included Ben Roethlisberger, or to some degree, Peyton, well, Peyton Manning did go 3-2 and two against them, but early career Peyton Manning. Uh, whatever, Philip Rivers late in his career. Anyone they played. Obviously, Jared Goff. The first half against Pat Mahomes in 2018, he didn't score. He was the best quarterback in football. So I don't know. I, I would just ask all of you to when you're when you're considering making a tweet, don't annoy me. Hey man, that's the rule. Don't annoy me and don't be mean to me. Those are the only two rules. Think of it this way too. To your point earlier about quarterbacks at that time too, and in, in terms of when Brady won his first Super Bowl, on either side of Brady's first Super Bowl win, before and after, you know who the two quarterbacks were. Um. Trent Dilfer and Brad Johnson. You're damn right. Trent Dilfer and Brad Johnson. Not exactly burning the world down with those two. <laughs> well, you know, actually, not I not that think... I'm making a comparison or anything, but you know what? I mean. <laughs> <laughs> no, Brad Johnson was, he was pretty good in that Super Bowl. Probably better uh, than Tom Brady in terms of his. He, honestly, you want to hear a hot take? This is not a hot take. Brad Johnson in that Super Bowl was better than Tom Brady was in his first Super Bowl. Brad Johnson just needed nine other chances like Brady got. See? Uh, so I think there was a four-year run there that you just mentioned. I think every quarterback that won a Super Bowl in a four-year run did not start the year as his team starter. Why? Because Warner with the Rams? Kurt Warner, yeah. Trent Green. Well, I should say training camp. Trent Green got hurt in the first preseason game, but he was the unquestioned starter. So Trent Green was going to be the starter. In 2000, Tony Banks started like the first five or six games for the Ravens. 2001. Uh, Drew Bledsoe. I don't know who the. Uh, I could be wrong about the 2002 Bucks. Your boy, Drew. The because the 2001 Bucks and the Bucks before that had Sean King, who he was not good, folks. Sean crazy King. That, crazy that he had such a abrupt career switch and became such an aggressive political commentator. That's pretty wild. <laughs> yeah. How about that? <laughs> I was gonna say Sean King did like. The opposite, because Sean King was on TV after this football, Sean King, and he did the opposite of what linemen do. Because you ever see like a lineman a year after they retire and they're like 150 pounds lighter? Oh, yeah. Like, is that the same guy? Is that Eric Wood? What the hell? <laughs> I was just about to say that. Um, like Matt, Matt Burke being under 200 pounds was just like, like, that's not Matt Burke. Knock it off. Uh, Sean King was like, I'll take that weight. Give it to me. Give me. Give me that. Give me that weight. And then he was on TV and uh, he's a big, big guy. Terrible takes too. terrible, terrible analyst. Anyway. Yeah. Sean King, uh, bad quarterback, bad diet, bad analyst, bad quarterback, bad diet, bad analyst. Wow. Love that. Yeah. The Tony Dungy bucks, not good at uh, the offense, but what are you going to do? Well, man. Yeah. What a time. What a time when the, can you Good imagine defenses the, though, back in those days? Oh my God. Monster. They, they murdered Rob Johnson. One Derek time. Brooks, baby. Derek Brooks. I think my friend Prescott Rossi said he put Rob Johnson below sea level. <laughs> <laughs> There's a, it's a great photo though. Rob Johnson's lying on the ground. Like he got shot. It's like, Oh man, most guys couldn't handle that hit, but you especially couldn't pal. <laughs> That's incredible. Wow. That's all, I actually, 
I watched that Super Bowl over uh, quarantine when Did you really? real at the beginning of COVID. Yeah, it's weird. It's like, you know, like you watch a game and you're like, wow, this game got, you know, this game is not what the final score says it was. It's too close. Yeah. It almost was that kind of. It was a weird game. Like, it's kind of blah for like the first quarter. And I, I kind of remember this. I watched it in real life and I was cheering for the Raiders. And then Rich Gannon, 38 year old NFL MVP Rich Gannon, just started throwing picks through like three picks on like four drives. Mm. And the Bucs took advantage. The Bucs, fun team. You know, they like work done and all stat. All stat was incredible. And they had like Keyshawn Johnson and Joe Jerevicious. They had a decent offense, actually. Uh, they had a good tight end, too, if I remember correctly. Anyway, great defense. So they, they took advantage. And all of a sudden, it's 34 to three in the third quarter. And it's like, damn, they're getting their ass kicked. And then uh, Oakland goes like touchdown, field goal, touchdown with two point conversion. It's 34 21. And they have the ball driving and it's like oh my god could they actually win they just need two touchdowns like they really got the ball moving and then 38 year old nfl mvp rich gannon threw two straight pick sixes and it was 48 21 it's like you know what that was a 48 21 game fair enough wow i honestly think that we should just do episodes where you just do oral histories of old football games i'll do it i'll do another one i i swear to god don't even try me pal I'm in. I'm in. All right. Join us next week where I cap off the episode talking about the 1998 NFC championship <laughs> between the Minnesota Vikings and Atlanta Falcons. And that will be brought to you by charging Buffalo. Wow. I'm looking forward to that at least folks. How about you? Taylor, do you have any last thoughts you'd like to share with the people listening at home? Uh, the next time I talk to you, the Yankees will be out of the playoffs. Things you really hate to hear. Well, glad we ended this episode on a horrible note. Anyways, everybody, thank you all so much for tuning into this episode of Straight Up Sabres presented by the Hockey Podcast Network and the Charging Buffalo. Make sure you're checking out the Hockey Podcast Network and the Charging Buffalo on their respective websites and on whatever your streaming platform of choices because both platforms are putting out pretty incredible podcast content. So again, make sure you're checking them out, following them on their respective social media platforms as well. And make sure you're following us straight up Sabres on Facebook and Instagram at straight Sabres on Twitter, and make sure you are subscribing to this podcast on whatever your preferred streaming platform is. As Taylor had said before, we'll be back with a new episode on Thursday. So we'll talk to you soon. Everybody have a great start to your week. This has been straight up Sabres.